I'm Aton, it's Friday, and this is the Friday Show, your gateway to the 9320 player and all of its content. Joining me today to look back at everything from the Champions League draw to City's win over Bournemouth last weekend, and also to look forward to another big weekend in the Premier League, I've got Mr. Howard Hawkin and Sam Lee from The Athletic. Morning, Sam. Morning. How are you, mate? Yeah, all right, all right. Booked all, all my travel, fortunately, for these Big Champions League games. Wee wee. The exciting draw. But yeah, all good, all good. Can't complain. Excellent. Mr. Hawkin, how are you? Yeah, fine, thanks. I've not booked anything. <laughs> ah, but I have bought a ticket for Norwich away. So. Wee! Oh. Who's the win- who's the true winner here? Right? Arguably harder to get to. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you'll get to Milan quicker than I will to Norwich. Uh, so. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um well, gentlemen. Even though there was no midweek game, there's some things to discuss. The week has thrown up some Manchester City-related content for us to uh, to, to look back on. Um, my first question is Kyle Walker's omission from the England squad. Sam, before I get the City supporters' view, uh, why do you think it was, and do you think it's fair, and do Southgate's reasons stand up to you? It's funny you ask about Southgate reasons because I don't, I don't think they do. It's a bit wishy washy. I've actually asked somebody um, closer to Walker a minute ago just to see um, what what they think because what do they say about Wambasaka? So he was like they've been following Wambasaka for a long time, um, and you know now he's playing in front of seventy thousand people. It's a big move. It's a good time to get him into the squad. It's like yeah, fair enough. I can see that. But then the other one was well, I mean Trent again, fine. But the other one was we wanted to get Trippier back in. But then if it was just a case of rotating, then surely he would say, well, we wanted to get Trippier back in. So, you know, so he's still involved and Kyle will be back in the next one. But I've not seen any of that. Um, and it just seems a bit weird. Like, what? Like, why do you want to get Trippier back in? Like, is, like, is he just, do you feel he's just playing better than Walker? If so, like, I mean, you probably can't say that, but. I, I, I don't know, but like I say, it just it just feels a bit wishy washy. You know, there's there's a there's a few too many questions about it. Mm. Um, Howard, just looking at it from a city supporter's point of view, grateful that Kyle is going to get the rest, um, or a bit disappointed that somebody who started the season so well has seemingly been omitted because he's too old at twenty nine, maybe. Yeah, well. I, I, I mean, I can appreciate Gal Southgate wanting to, you know, moving, looking towards the future and having a young squad, but come on, 29's not, <laughs> it's not that old at all. You know, it's, you know, he's, he's not showing the ageing process, let's put it that way. There's, that would be a ridiculous reason to, to get rid of him from the squad. Mm. Uh, he can easily make the next two major tournaments, you know, and uh, certainly the next one uh, is, you know, without doubt, he's, he's going to be fine age wise. Uh, I think it's all, I mean, as City fans, yeah, yeah, I tend to be happy when they're not playing because, of course, you think, well, that's good for City. But I, I'm not sure it always is because players want to be want to play the national sides. I'm not sure it's beneficial if they, they get drops like this. You know, Laporte not being picked until now was kind of beneficial to us. But, you know, I'm happy it has been because it's ridiculous that he wasn't being picked for his national side. And really, does it make that you know? Does it really make that much difference to us if they go and play some international games occasionally? Uh, I think I'd rather they'd be happy being picked for their country. But it is it is tiresome having to watching the uh, city players in the England side. So I might actually enjoy the games more if there are no city players in it because the scrutiny they come under is just bizarre in a way. Mm. Uh, it, the water has been muddied. I think the last few weeks left first of all worth absolutely blessed with talent in that area so it is probably the most competitive position in the team almost and uh, you, know, you talk about central midfield as well which is always always plenty of options there so I you know there are too many players in good form with ability to fit in that squad but it's bizarre and the Bournemouth performance has muddied the water because without that it would be absolutely ridiculous decision but I'm sure he hasn't made it because of Bournemouth no. uh, yeah well, when, whenever has another player come out the you know 
a mainstay in the team, has been playing regularly for the national side. Treble winner. Starts a seat. Treble winner. Uh, you know, double league winner. Playing well at the start of the season, then gets dropped to try other options. I mean, it's. I mean, let's be honest, he's been dropped. It's simple as that. There's no guarantee he'll come back mm-hmm. in. It's it's very weird. Trent, I can see the argument. Obviously, Trent Alexander Arnold gets in the squad, and I can see the argument for him starting. Yeah, it's been super, absolutely superb. Uh, Trippier muddies the water because that would be an absolutely ludicrous decision two months ago, but apparently it has started quite well over in Spain. But again, really? And Wan-Bissaka, you know, I'll try not to be biased. He was excellent for Crystal Palace, but they wanted to keep him in the 21s. Signs for United straight in the squad. Well, obviously he's a bit older. Maybe this was always the the idea. But does he deserve to get in ahead of Walker? I, I, I can understand he wanted to look at things, but these are qualifiers. I know we're almost certainly through anyway, so he can take a few liberties and risks and chances. But I think it's very harsh for him to be dropped at this specific point in time. Though rival fans will say it's absolutely fine because he's never played a good game, but obviously we know better. And I think it's very harsh on him indeed. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand the decision because uh, very simply it should be a footballing decision and I think that Walker gets in ahead of Trippier and he gets in ahead of Wambasaka. That's not to say that Wambasaka and Trippier don't have their merits and don't have their qualities, but you know the England manager's got to be picking the best players, the best squad for his position. The idea, If he wants to have a look at Wambasaka, then he can't take Trippier. And if he wants to take Trippier, then he can't have a look at Wambasaka. He can't drop Walker. Yeah. To me, it just seems uh, from the outside, it just seems like a, a nonsense decision, which wouldn't happen to a Liverpool player or a United player. Uh, that's my feeling right now. I don't see, you know, if Liverpool win all three of the uh, the domestic trophies last season. I don't see one of their England mainstays just getting bombed out in uh, in September to try another young lad. And I guess that's my other issue is that, you know, I kind of get the idea that you want to have a look at Wan-Bissaka, but what's, I don't understand what he said was, you know, it's an opportunity to integrate Trippier. I don't even know what that means. Like, what do you mean you need to yeah. integrate Trippier? Like, Trippier's been in England squads before, so... I don't know. Just it's uh, from a weirdly enough, from a foot equally from a city footballing point of view, I'm buzzing that players aren't going on international duty because I want them to have that rest. I'm, you know, I've I like international tournaments up to a point, but I'm certainly not one of those guys that goes. The players need to go and play for their country. I think it's really bad that Laporte is suddenly going to have to start going and playing international football. It was great the fact that he was getting massive rests during the international break, and you know I'm sure that it, it it has contributed to some of the top form that we've seen from him being able to have those breaks. So he is a double-edged sword. But just from Walker's point of view, I don't understand. Or from Southgate's point of view, I don't understand the reasoning behind the decision. It, it may fire him up to yeah to continue to try even harder to keep the good form going in the future. Anyway. Of course, I mean that's yeah, so. I hope he takes it the right way. Mm, that's the natural knock-on effect of players being dropped from the international squads. That you hope that the the big players, certainly at big clubs, that will raise their games, try and get back in. Um, okay, moving forward, Champions League draw yesterday evening, quite the cracker for City, eh, Sam? Um, what's your what's your standout of the uh, of the three big ties? Uh, Atalanta, I think they look decent. Yeah. So remind um, us who the other two teams are in the group: Dinamo Zagreb and Shakhtar Donetsk. Again, splendid. Who? Splendid. Um, so it was look, so obvious, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, just Sam, just just looking at that group, I, I want you to try and unpack the kind of line between. I saw you tweet. I hope you don't mind me saying this. That your wife came home last night and was like, "They should. They needed a harder team because they need a bigger challenge for the knockout." Yeah, I've seen a few people say that. Um, yeah, I'm not sure because I feel as though you know the difference between the group stage and the knockouts is so big in terms of when they fall in the season that you can be amazing. Yeah, and in do the or die stage. as well. Yeah, and on the flip side, you can be a bit meh in the knockouts um but at the same time i do see the kind of logic 
in maybe having to go away to Madrid or to Juventus in the group stage, kind of preparing you for that big game. Yeah. I guess the the atmosphere, the intensity, the uniqueness of Champions League nights. So where to, where do you fall in, in that kind of conversation? What do you think is more important? Well, look, if they've got Real Madrid, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're, they're better than Madrid anyway. I think it would have been better for the fans, you know, because the other, the other part of that, well, all right, so Guardiola, I put this in the article because Guardiola said it last year, you know, sometimes we need to suffer in the groups, you know, we need to play, uh, we need to play maybe a bit a bigger team and get get used to these moments. But that was af- that was only one game in, that was after City lost to Lyon. So I think there was a bit of, a bit of, like anger at complacency in that, and you know, you know, he's he's never happy with the fans with Champions League turnout to see. And there was forty thousand people there for Leon, so I reckon part of it was him thinking, well, if it was a big game, the players would be ready for it, and we wouldn't need to, I wouldn't need to lecture them about complacency, and the fans would turn up. So I think I think that was pretty much his logic, as well as you know, play a big team, get used to the knockout stages. But I I I do agree, whatever the thinking is, I think it would. It would be better if City had have had Real Madrid instead of Shakhtar or Juve, because yeah, it's just it's just a big game for the for the for the calendar, and City have got a strong enough squad to deal with it. I just think it helps them. Yeah, I, I know I, I completely accept your point. You know, playing in October and being able to go and beat Dinamo Zagreb and Atalanta and get twelve points against those two will get you through anyway. So it doesn't matter as much as a knockout game, but it's still, you know, the mentality, you know, and Guardiola always talks about, you know, City being quite a young club in Champions League terms. It's still a big European game, a big European night that you get experience of. And yeah, it might not be the end of the world, but I don't think you really think that when you're playing. Now when you've got Sixty thousand city fans there, and the atmosphere is really good, and it feels tense. And you're playing against a big club who, you know, has won a few titles and does know what it's like to to win in Europe. I, th- I think that w- I do think that would help. Yeah, mm. I mean, look, it's a good draw either way. City are going to get out of it, but I, I, yeah, I, I think it would have been better for better for City from an experience point of view, and probably from a, a fan experience point of view. You know, everyone would be waiting for those tickets to go on sale. Um, mm. If City had got a big team, because look, the Etihad, it was forty thousand against Leon last year. What's it? What's it going to be for Zagreb? That's the first home game. It's going to be shocking, isn't it? Mm, well, I mean, and it's another debate entirely. Club, but yeah, the club could do something about that, but they won't. So yeah, they could price all three at ten pounds if they're that if they're that bothered about it. Uh, yeah. but they won't. So, Give them a chance. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that uh, yeah, I mean, they, they are quite maybe well they won't have to last. We season. know that. Yeah. But they have to be very, 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 very well priced because of the apathy for this tournament and the financial constraints that people make this lower down the, you know, prop list of priorities than league mm. games. So we all know the situation. The club can do something about that. We will see. Uh, yeah, maybe it wouldn't make any difference anyway. But you know, as, as I say, we went, we've gone out twice to English teams anyway, uh, and you'd think would that would playing Real Madrid. Uh, you know, in the group stage or by Munich, as we used to do quite a lot, would that help us get past Liverpool next time? I'm not really sure that would make much of a difference. I don't know, you know, how it, or, I think. Or because it's a different competition, would it make a difference? Mm, I, I see what you're saying. I think the one thing that I would say is that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think in the last two years, in the last two seasons, we've really played many big teams home and away, yeah. right? And I wonder whether... I want to talk about mentality, but the, there, there's definitely a certain... Um, I don't know, like I don't want to say that there's an Achilles heel in the Champions League, but there's a weakness somewhere, right? Yeah, um, they're not as consistent, are they? No. and It's I, not the same. It's not exactly the same city in Europe as it is in Absolutely England. not. Absolutely not. And I just wonder whether having a Juventus or a Real Madrid... Um, or a Bayern Munich or a Barcelona in the groups, or even a PSG in the group stages where you have to play them twice. Maybe having that, if obviously it's dependent upon winning those games, but maybe if you go and play in those big atmospheres in the group stage and you come out unscathed and you win, maybe you're better set up for the big knockouts. Maybe when those big knockouts have come round, the intensity of it is something that's unique 
because in the group stages, it's very, very different when you go away to Leon or you go away to Dynamo Zagreb or to Shakhtar in comparison to when you're going away to Liverpool or Spurs or some of the big European sides. Would you agree with me, Sam? Yeah, like like I say, I, I do think, yeah, the intensity and just, just the occasion, you know, mm. because... I guess, you know, so City's early games, every year it was Barca, wasn't it, in the knockout rounds? Like, you'd eventually get through and then you'd have to play Barca and then just lose. So you, the only experience you'd get six or seven years ago, five or six years ago, was, oh, played played Barca and lost and you're out and then you start again next year. Um, and then, I'm trying to think, recent years, Monaco wasn't even a big one, but there was the kind of, that was the first season and not really grasping what Guardiola wanted. And all of that kind of thing. Um, the Pellegrini season, that was Kiev, wasn't it? That was the last time I went to Ukraine. So that was Kiev. PSG were an interesting one, but obviously they were a bit of a basket case, aren't they, Europe-wise? Um, and Madrid was a big game. And yeah, so I think I just think you need more of these experiences. Yeah, I think, you know, welcoming City to the Etihad or going to the Bernabeu or going to, what's it called now? It's called the Alliance Stadium again, isn't it, in Turin? Mm. Um, just go, yeah, I just think going to those grounds is just good experience and it's also a prop you know proper preparation because Guardiola is gonna have to tell him, look, Donamo Zagreb he's gonna prepare for it the same way he prepared for like Fulham or Fulham away last season. It's gonna be look, these these guys can hurt you, but players just automatically pay more attention when he's saying, Well this is Benzema, this is Hazard to oh this is this guy you've probably never heard of, but I am telling you he's good. It's just natural, isn't it? It's just totally. the whole preparation for a big game like that is I think is a good thing. Especially when you've got a squad as big as City who can handle it. Absolutely. And I just think, you know, you, the thing with those with the Real Madrids, the Barcelona's, the Bayern Munichs is that they don't you know, you 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 know when you play in those matches that it doesn't matter if the opposition is playing well or not. Those individual players can kill you in an instant and you have to have a certain mentality and a certain intensity to get through the 90 minutes and particularly in the Champions League where you know that it's uh you know it's it's often all or nothing and it can feel like that particularly in the uh, in the big games and yeah i mean just like it's like 17 18 i think we did Shakhtar Napoli Feyenoord and it was uh Sarri's Napoli who we rolled over i mean it just it, it doesn't feel like in any of the group stages under Pep we've had the big occasion to prepare for the knockout big occasion i thought those Napoli games were quite well contested to be fair even at the Etihad i remember them being i don't <sighs> I don't, yeah, they, they, they put City under a bit of pressure. They didn't win. I think I'll put this in the piece yesterday. I was like, Atalanta might do the same as Napoli did. They might make it difficult for City. They might not get a point, but they, they could make it difficult. I remember Napoli being Kevin, quite competitive. Yeah, I mean... And Kevin De Bruyne had to be dragged away from the uh, the referee at half Oh, was it that game? It was Napoli home game. That Napoli home game was amazing. Yeah. yeah. They were superb. It was one of the best games I've seen. One of the best forgotten games, I think, in our ten, last 10 years. Yeah. Mm. I mean, uh, uh, just for, just for devil's advocate, though, I'd rather City just got top of the group. Yes, of course. <laughs> you know, so that's why I always want. You know, as a fan, I always want the easiest draw possible. Yeah, because obviously, playing the odds, topping the group, just like being in pot one gets you an easier draw in the group stage. Topping the group gives you a better chance of getting a, a last sixteen winnable tie. Yeah, because even though you want the big sides, you don't want to have to. Hit one in the last sixteen, then the last eight, then the last four, you know, and then the final. That's quite grueling and could affect your domestic, you know, campaigns as well. Mm. So, but that's just being devil's advocate there. So. Yeah, I mean, I just, I do. I, for me, I will. The one big thing with the Champions League, uh, my kind of reflection upon it is, is definitely this this idea that I don't know if we have enough experience, I, and I mean, this collection of players, this Guardiola side, they they haven't played enough big Champions League games in big atmospheres. And I think the ones that they have, they've inevitably come unstuck. And for that reason, they need to play more of them. And I'm not sure that this type of group gives them that grounding. But then at the same time, you know, this side is so good. If they simply recreate their league form in a Champions League knockout tie, then there's no reason why they can't beat most of the teams out there. Um, you looking forward to it, Howard? You looking forward to it as a tournament this this season? Do you feel the we must win it pressure? No, <laughs> it's the same as any other season. If 
you know, if we win the league again, I'm happy. It's just, it's always that. I know we, we do need to win it, and when we get to that, it, it's not that interesting a tournament until the knockout stages. It gets interesting if they start playing badly, you know, when it, then you get on edge. But if City play to their true potential, it, you know, if you moan about attendance, it's not that interesting. Mm. Uh, it's set up in a stupid way. You know that really does try and help the top seeds get through to the knockout stages. Uh, so it is what it is. You know we could get we couldn't get into. Yeah, well that would have made it interesting, yeah. but we couldn't get into in the draw because they're paired with Juventus on one half and they can't play each other because they've both got green second kits, or they can't play <laughs> the San Siro in November because Slipknot are playing a concert there, or can't play someone beginning with A in, on a Tuesday in October. You know, it's just like the draw's pretty much made itself anyway before they've even started. Yeah. So, you know, people can moan all they want. Uh, it really doesn't get going until you're staring. The point of a cup competition is you can go out that day. Yeah. That's what makes cup competitions so exciting. Uh, and, of course, it's not a cup competition yet. It's a league format. So... I do enjoy, you know, I enjoy midweek games, under the lights and all that. And I think, even, you know, we've joked about the easy draw, but I think there's some entertaining, you know, Atalanta, I think, will be two cracking games. Because I don't think, I think they'll be quite fearless about it. And they'll, uh, last chance to go to the San Siro for some fans. uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. they're they're getting rid of it, aren't they? Yeah, so this is the last season it'll be. Really? So... Yeah, you know, so there's, there's I think that's to planned, enjoy yeah. there. Yeah, uh, you know, it didn't. Uh, as a travelling fan, you'd be quite disappointed because it's like I always want to go to Bruges. They didn't come up. St Petersburg didn't come up, though. That would be a nightmare logistically. Prague didn't St. come Petersburg, up. You know, yeah. if you go to the away games, it's it's quite poor to be honest. But the San Siro, Zagreb, but Christmas, Zagreb, kind of so, yeah, so, it's early kickoff as well. Yeah. That's got all, all the makings of a. Of a good night, that one. I think that's going to be a seven o'clock kickoff local time. Oh, cracker. As opposed to nine o'clock or ten. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, there is plenty there. And I thought sometimes you get more entertaining games than, you know, if we're playing one of the bigger sides where caution might rain. Well, this is the thing. Like last year, people were saying it was an easy draw. And look, it was. But there were still good yeah. games in there. I mean, there was Leon good performances was, yeah. from City's point of view. You know, the Shakhtar, absolute annihilations. But Leon were really difficult. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Atalanta kind of did similar. Like I say, maybe it's going to be more like Napoli the year before. But there's going to be some interesting enough games in there. But it it isn't. Let's not kid ourselves. It's not like it's not massively interesting, is it? No. Well, Shakhtar have won the first five games of the season, scored 15 goals. Yeah, and they've got a new manager as well, haven't they? So. New manager. Yeah. So they're looking in good shape. Uh, yeah, I think you Sam said in your piece, or it's been said elsewhere as well. The away game last year was one of the best performances. Yeah, man. But I don't think we're going to roll really them good. over twice. Yeah, let's not assume we're going to roll them over. They're in good form. It's not. It's not an actual. It's nowhere near a walkover of a group. Uh, I think there's, there'll still be plenty of tense moments you know, in these games. Yeah, I mean, I just think it comes down to the idea that you know, you maybe the the disappointment. And the kind of talk of, you know, are we, you'd like a big team. It's just literally a big team so that you can feel that, that atmosphere. But you, even if you expect to win all of these games, they will be competitive games. You expect them to be competitive games just because it is the Champions League. Um, okay. Last question on the Champions League. Sam, who's your favorite to win the tournament this season? Uh, uh, uh. I'm just trying to work out the best wording to say the team that jumps out is Liverpool just because they've made the last two finals and they seem to know what they're doing and everyone's shit scared of Anfield yep. uh, I mean it should be City but as we've said they're not quite the same beast in Europe um, yep. if they can get that right then it will be City but other than that I can't see Barca um, you know, maybe if Neymar goes back but I mean I think that they've got problems Barca have and then Real Madrid aren't that good I mean maybe it's going to be Juve's time but they kind of fell apart a bit against Ajax um, so I do th- uh, the team with the least question marks against them in terms of the Champions League for me is Liverpool Okay Howard what about for you? Uh, yeah well City are the bookies favourites which is you know, pretty ridiculous to be honest Uh 
I mean, would you really bet five to two on City to win the Champions League, or it might be three to one or something? Uh, yeah, that's just ridiculous uh, for a team that's not been to the final yet. Yeah, I'm flip flopping. I think if Neymar goes back to Barcelona, I know you follow Rafael Hernandez. Is it on <laughs> on Twitter? <laughs> Just, he's having nervous breakdown every every day about their manager. So they have problems even with Messi. Valverde ain't injured. winning the Champions League. Well, that's it. The manager is more the problem as anything else. Uh, but still, still the Barcelona. If he comes back, the front, yeah, going forward, they are something. Juventus, I think maybe, but a Liverpool obvious threat. I'd, just to be contrary. I quite fancy Atletico Madrid this season as a dark horse. So expect them to go out in a group stage. It's going to make all the difference there, lads. <laughs> no, but that, yeah, apart from Trippier, uh, they've got, yeah, they're looking very good at the yeah. moment. And obviously, they're £110 million signing up front. Uh, they could be quite dangerous. But if I had to pick one, I will go for Juventus to finally get their act together. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, no, Juventus, absolutely not. Uh, Barcelona, absolutely not. I think Sam's right. I think, you know, being really practical about it, Liverpool look like the team who have shown in the last two seasons that they're the best equipped to get to the uh, to the Champions League final. And if you want to look outside of, of Liverpool, it's a really hard call. If I was actually going to call an outsider, judging by how they did overall last season... Um, I think Dortmund will be a threat this season in the Champions League. I think Hummels going back to Dortmund is a, a, it's a smart move. And I think that if he can rediscover a little bit of his early Dortmund form, uh, I don't know. I just, I've, I've, I've got a feeling they could do really well. Um, but I just, I don't really fancy any of the, 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 the historic clubs, Madrid, Barca, Juve, Bayern, they're all in, they're all different shades of a bit of a, a mess right now. So I'm not really sure how they, uh, how they can, how they get over some of the better coach sides in Europe. I think that's the thing with, with some of those, those historic clubs that they might have top players. I'm not sure they've got the coaches to get past some of the, uh, the better tacticians in the Champions League. But, Hey, we shall see. Um, okay, so City beat Bournemouth last weekend. Sam, uh, now the dust has settled. It's a performance that divided people. I mean, there were moments of brilliance and there were also moments that felt real sloppy. And, you know, maybe City, I saw accusations of complacency. So where do you think in the spectrum of performances, the Bournemouth performance fell for you? Yeah, I think it depends on your outlook, doesn't it? Like, and not even just outlook on City, but just on life. Um, so with that in mind, I'd probably say it wasn't, because I was thinking again about it this morning. It wasn't a, I don't think it was a great way. Well, it wasn't a great City performance, wasn't it? Um, and, it's it's really difficult to categorise because basically City were just um, deadly and took the chances you know they just got in front of goal and went right we'll put that in apart from the one that De Bruyne missed just at the start of the second half but the other ones were like really close in and Aguero's just gone well this is easy I'll put it in and that was a difference but then at the same time even without playing that well Bournemouth didn't really create any proper chances just kind of City's own nervousness um yeah, and then it and then it just it falls into the category of why did they play like that, and can you just write it off as like kind of early season, not jitters, but you know just not quite everything came together. Mm. Uh, I'm, I don't know if you can because I, my point about City has always been that you know what you're going to get from one season to the next, and they're just going to carry on. So you know, I know it was only the third game of the Premier League season, but effectively it's you know the hundredth league game that yeah. they've had, and yeah, yeah. you know they should be. They should benefit from that. Um, I know fitness and those kind of things come into it. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was... I didn't think it was a great game from City, but that's not to say I think there's some massive problem. I just don't think in his own right it was it was that good. And mm. uh, you know, I'm sure you... Guardiola wouldn't have been happy that it was that they were that open at times. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's kind of the next question I was going to ask you. It's not really about the openness. It's about the effect that Rodri had when he came on 
Um, and if there's been any talk or anything that you've heard from inside the club since the game at the weekend about that impact that he had when he came on, because I think I made a big deal in the review pod about how I really felt that it, it the the impact that he had when he came on was almost one of those things where you kind of go, wow, I wonder if he'll ever get rotated or dropped again, because it just felt like such a... Um, it just felt like it changed the game so hugely when 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 he was introduced that and he felt when he came on like he was a key component that hadn't started the game if that makes sense so anything from inside the club and what did you make of his impact no nothing nothing really from inside the club um I hadn't really hadn't really asked about it to be honest but yeah it was kind of as if they'd brought Fernandinho on yeah you know at any point in the last Certainly, two seasons. If Fernandinho hadn't have started and Gundogan had, and you think, "Oh, this isn't this isn't solid enough," and then you bring Fernandinho on and you go, oh, "You know, it settled everyone down, changed the game." And then, but all of a sudden, it's Rodri. It's this new guy who started really well. You know, I th- again, we've covered this last week. But I thought he played really well against Spurs, and then yeah, he's got this ability to come on in a a difficult away game. And I think I wrote in the David Silver piece, or maybe something else. Um. It was hard to know exactly what changed the game because City scored the third goal just after he came on. And, you know, was that a direct consequence of him coming on or would City have scored it anyway? Um, but it's kind of irrefutable that City looked better when, when he was on the pitch. And I think that, that says says a lot for him. Uh, and you'd imagine he's going he's gonna to start on Saturday. Yeah. And that's a home game. And I think that that will, if he does start, I think that that will... Uh, well, anyway, we'll talk about it when we preview the Brighton game. But I think that that will speak volumes if he does if he does end up starting. Yeah, um, although maybe the maybe just in terms of the freshness, because the reason he gave for um, Bernardo and Mar- um, Bernardo and Aguero playing against Spurs was if they hadn't have played, they wouldn't have been fresh. And you know, by Bournemouth, they wouldn't have played a game in like three weeks. And I wonder if at some point he's going to have to play Fernandinho. I know they w- might want to rest him, but at some point, just for fitness and freshness or whatever, may maybe they'll play Fernandinho. But then maybe they'll just think. Well, you know, he's experienced enough and, I don't know, and just solid enough that he can come in after the international break. But, may, I mean, maybe they'll introduce him at some point soon. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think, I think when you said on last week's Friday show that Ferner has been training as a centre-back, I think that makes me feel like if and when he is introduced at the start of a game, uh, it'll be at centre-back. I, I imagine that his days as a holding midfielder are almost completely over. I could be wrong, but the fact that Rodri and, and Gundo have kind of divided that time suggests that when Ferner does drop in, it will be will be at centre back. Um, okay, last last thing on the uh, on the Bournemouth game. Uh, looking at the attack, Sam, is the attack playing well or is the attack not playing well? And the context for that is we have scored a lot of goals, but we've missed a lot of chances. And I can't quite figure out where Raz, Bernardo, Aguero, KDB, where are they in their kind of pre-season, if this August was going to be pre-season? Yeah, well enough. Like maybe missing the... Well, I think Aguero... I'm trying to think how many of the Spurs chances that were missed did Aguero miss. Um, but I think Aguero generally is he's getting there. Um, Sterling, he can't really complain about Sterling. Um, De Bruyne has had a, f- a few games, not a few games. He said he, he said himself he didn't play well against Bournemouth. Mm. Um, the second half against Spurs, when they moved him out to the left, that was a bit odd and he, he wasn't as absolutely deadly as he was in the first half but I think he's just you know getting into that rhythm um, David Silva's getting there as well judging by Bournemouth I think he's going to have to have his, his game time monitored so he can stay fresh for those type of games or have those type of games when he does come in um, Bernardo I don't think we've seen the best of yet Bernardo is the one I'd say is further behind the others um, maybe that's something to do with that muscle problem they well, the supposed muscle problem that kept him out of against West Ham. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, I think everyone's. I think everyone is more or less getting there, like really getting there. Um, Bernardo a bit less than the others. Um, Mares, we still don't really know enough of. Um, had a great start and then was disappointed against Spurs and didn't really 
having much of an opportunity to do anything against Bournemouth. Uh, I think everyone's... Yeah, I don't think there's a, a major issue there. Obviously, they should have scored more goals against against Spurs, but I think the attack's playing well. Okay. Um, Howard, anything that you want to address from Bournemouth before I push this forward and we have a conversation about Brighton? Uh, well, just very briefly, yeah, I think you have to split that. Are we playing well in attack into two bits? Because chance creation will probably at our peak mm-hmm. right now. Uh, chance taking... and. Still scored 11 goals in three games. Well, officially 10, but I'm still saying calling it as 11. And probably should have been about 15 over the three games. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> not not really that much to worry about, is there? Uh, in the scheme of things, when they're scoring 11 goals, sorry, 10, in three <laughs> games, and we're wondering if they're not, you know, they're being a bit wasteful up front. It's, it's not bad, to be honest, but of course... I, I, it's August. I wouldn't worry about it if they're doing it in September. I know we've had this. I'm sure we've had this conversation every season. Uh, if they're doing it in November, it's a different matter. And in the big games where you don't get as many chances, but you know, against Spurs, we had 30 shots. So are Spurs just terrible, or is this the new City now that we just we create chances effortlessly? But as Bournemouth, I mean, we just struggle there. I think. Uh, Pep might have called it the best performance last season, but we still scored one goal, which was probably a sliced shot, let's be honest, from Mahrez. Uh, we struggled, it went off Sterling's knee deep into injury time the season before, and it's not since the 4 0 about three years ago that we've played well there. So I wouldn't take too much away from it. And they still they saw the game out easily in the end, despite having a wobble and despite being tested. So, yeah, I don't think there's too much to worry about just. Okay. As for Mahrez, by the way, I, d- I do wonder if he's just a better starter than a sub. Uh, you know, that he performs better when he's there from the start rather than coming on in the 80th minute. You know, if you compare these performances in the last two compared to the, the game in his performance in the first game. Uh, but, yeah, that's probably an argument for another time. So. Yeah. But I did see, I see you know, I'm seeing him get criticised for his sub performances. He did come on to the 80th minute against Spurs, so... What were what were we expecting in ten minutes? You know, uh, I think he does suit you know just starting games, and that's the best way to use him in the future. Okay, um, Sam, I'm going to use the beginning of this conversation about the game against Brighton to ask you a question that I asked in the last podcast, and that is, um, how do you how do you view Foden's season? Uh, and I, I guess the context for that is you kind of look at the the runner games post Spurs and they're all bottom half of the Premier League sides. The types of sides that you would expect any coach, not just Pep Guardiola, um, if there is if you are going to take the opportunity to use a younger player within your squad, you would assume that it would be in those games. Um, do you see? Any danger of Foden getting a game in the next month or two? Or do you think it will be similar to last season that it will be the back end of the season where we begin to see Phil? No, I, th- I think, you know, Watford coming up, we may, I mean, maybe he'll even play him tomorrow against Brighton. Um, I, I, th- I don't think, you know, people are disappointed already. You know, people are asking me on the Q&As I do for The Athletic, Oh, you know what's going on with Foden? We've not seen him yet. It's three games in, and did I mean? Did he really think he was going to play every week, or even even just enough to have started in these three games? I mean, I I didn't personally. I'm not sure what evidence there was for thinking that. If you look at how he's been managed, I personally think he's going to play like last season. But you know, there'll be a few more Premier League starting. You know, it won't it won't be until the end of the season. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he if he started tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised um, if he started against. Watford, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I think he's basically going to be, he's going to have to bide his time and next season, once Silver goes and once Fernandinho is 35 and playing less, then he's going to be playing every week. And then he's going to, he's still only going to be 20 then. A 20-year-old Premier League central midfielder is a rare thing. You know, mm. If you look at Mason Mount, that's because Chelsea I can't buy anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fair point. And City um, have got loads of good players. So yeah, I, I think he'll play soon. 
<laughs> but I don't think people need to worry too much. And also, no, he was a bit pissed off last season that he didn't play. He probably thought he was going to play more, and maybe he will. But at the same time, he's not going to leave City. You know, he's not only does is he a City fan and he wants to make it, but by all accounts, um, he's not he's not really got the constitution to go abroad and do something what Sancho did. Mm. He's happy where he is. Okay. Uh, I think that's uh, certainly put my mind at ease. I think I I, uh, I just had a moment where I, I kind of looked at the makeup of the squad and just felt like it's a big season for Phil and I'd be really disappointed if he gets swallowed up in the kind of churn of Silva, Rodri, Fernandinho, Gundogan, David Silva, Bernardo Silva. I mean, it's just there is a... L- almost limit, limitless amount of central midfield options that Guardiola has. And so, um, yeah, I'm just mindful of the fact that I'd like to see Phil get some games. But Do you, th- do you think he's got any chance of getting into the England squad for the, the Euros next year? If he gets some game time as the season progresses? <sighs> or is he too far behind? I mean, no, I don't. And the reason that I, I don't think he's got a chance is because I don't think this season he'll play regularly and what I mean by that is even if Phil starts tomorrow and is man of the match he won't play the next league game because of the number of bodies that they've got in there and I think that Southgate will look at it and go playing once every six weeks is not he's not going to consider a player like that when Mason Mount is seemingly going to play every single league game for Chelsea I think the difference is clear for me um so no i don't think he gets into the um and again he might do those one game every six weeks or however whatever it will be he might be man of the match in all those games and it might leave southgate with no choice but to uh yeah. but to take him yeah. the only thing that i think will work in his favor is and it's just a hunch with no evidence whatsoever i think david server will be a one in two games pick mm, yeah pep guardiola in his final season yeah so one in, one out, he'll be fresh, he'll play well, but that won't mean he'll automatically be in every week. Yeah, it's fr- uh, I do think he'll be used more sparingly. So. Very fair shout, very, very fair shout. And of course, he will now be picked against Brighton. So <laughs> One day I'll get... A, uh, I did get a team prediction right once. You're so season. hard on yourself, Howard. You st- uh, Well, they're impossible to call, aren't they? So, I mean, just look at the options available. I mean, I, as a manager, I would not know what team to pick. No. So, yeah. It's crazy, but yeah, we'll be having three games a week soon. If you just look at the, you know, you look at the Champions League uh, schedule, and you throw in Preston Cup game, you know, that we've not mentioned yet. Uh, there, there will be. I think there's about five games in sixteen days, and four of them are away. So we'll soon. It'll soon have to use that squad a lot more. Definitely, definitely. Um, hey, Sam Graham Potter. The Brighton, the new Brighton manager. So, firstly, uh, the sacking of Chris Hutton was uh, inevitably met with a kind of, you know, lots of the the usual media suspects were decrying the fact that an English manager who had kept them up was unceremoniously sacked. Graham Potter, excuse me, has come from Sweden, where he garnered a very, very, very... uh, Strong reputation at Osterlund, is that correct? Ostersund. Ostersund. Yes, sorry, Ostersund. Um, what has he brought to Brighton, um, and how will they be different than Chris Hutton's Brighton? Uh, I think they're more adventurous. Uh, they've, you know, they've they've changed the formation, which is always like a kind of it's always a good tangible thing for a new manager to come in to have that and to change the playing style because if you look at the results they a, a good win a draw and they lost at home last weekend so not tearing up any trees on, on that, in that sense but you know they've got some quite exciting players they're, they're playing three at the back which like I say always gives a new manager something to point towards um, the problem with Brighton was they were just dull weren't they I was really surprised yeah. they got rid of Hewitt because it was like the next day, and you know, I'd been in a press conference with him the day before, and he was just really nice. And it's it is it is you know, it's easy to fall into that trap, you know, in the media, and not even just in the media, but it, obviously it just tends to be people in the media who speak to these people. But 
he was he was just a nice bloke, and he was he spoke well about football. And then to see the next day he'd been sacked, you think that's a shame. That you know, I was, I was actually speaking to David Moyes on the phone yesterday. I was like, you know what, Moyes is all right. You know, God, as a United fan, <laughs> I hated the bloke. You know, when when he was at United, it was just just leave. This is awful. But I was speaking to him on the phone yesterday, and he he was all right. Um, um, so yeah, um, you can fall into that trap. But yeah, the problem was they were really dull, and okay. they were just like they were they. They just did nothing, did they? They did enough to stay up, and then they could lose three or four on the bounce. But they'd, they'd have already won three games in a row in February and done all right to get away with it. Okay. So, they, yeah, so I think it did need freshening up. And what they've got with Potter is a fresh approach. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a people Howard. person into realism. Yeah, sorry, carry on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's got social yeah. sciences degree, and it's all about putting people in dangerous places and out of the comfort zone. and Yeah, I don't think they're going to be... Certainly won't be any negativity from the way they play. Uh, and he kind of accepts defeats and, yeah, wants to develop players both on and off the pitch. So uh, I think Osterson were in the fourth tier when he took them over and they're in the top yes. tier now. And let's not forget, he was the Swansea manager when we played him in the Cup last season and that didn't go very well for us. Uh, Offside goal to win it, uh, that penalty that bounced back off the keeper. So yeah, like I mean, they were absolutely fearless. Yeah, two nil, two nil up. They were playing brilliant football. Uh, I think that absolutely shocked our team. We thought they'd just turn up and win that game. So uh, yeah, could be a dangerous side, and it's hard to tell from the you know they lost two nil to Southampton last week, but I think they had a player sent off after about thirty minutes. So you can, and they won at Watford three 0 So you can't really tell so far from the results, but uh, I think it was a brave decision to sack Hutton, and I think it was the right one to be honest. Because as Sam said, there's just there was a nothingness about them. You know, they would just keep going on, and eventually they'd gone down just because there was. And they they bought quite a lot the season before, so the players that you know that didn't really perform. Maybe we'll come to. Maybe it's not the new signings; it's the ones that were signed the season, the summer before, that might now get a new lease of life under the new manager. Mm. Do you think that the fact that they're something of an unknown quantity, um, because I, I agree with you, the result last week doesn't really count because they did play. I think maybe more than an hour yeah. with ten men, which against anybody is going to be a, a, a tricky task. Um, but do you think that because they're an unknown quantity, that makes them makes it a little bit more of a I guess what I guess I'm curious about where City get the sting in the tail this season. It'll happen. You do you see yeah. what I mean? And I'm kind of you you go into every fixture and you go build the list of why this will be the sting in the tail or why it won't be the sting in the tail. And weirdly enough, I kind of look at this game and again, it goes back to what you said about how well they did, how well Swansea did against us, uh, the problems that they posed, the fact that Brighton will have better players than Swansea. Graham Potter will have them, you know, I mean, tactically they, like Sam says, they're you know he can point to something that they do different that is an evolution for them. Um, Sam, maybe I'll throw this question over to you before Howard answers it. Is Pep about to match his back three? Huh. I did think that when I saw it, but I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I mean, from what I'm, you know, he could be wrong, but from what I hear, you know, he's he likes the four three three that City have got. Um. And I'm sure he'll, he'll think, you know, he'll have ways. You know, they're an unknown quantity to us, born, uh, Brighton. But Guardiola's going to have watched, you know, 270 minutes of what they do in mm. the same formation. And he's he's going to have spotted ways. You know, even if their results don't don't match up, their performances pretty much will, and what they do pretty much will. And Guardiola will have noticed that. And I think he'll probably find room within the 4-3-3 to do that. I mean, mate, I mean... Somebody's just suggested that Walker could play right back and Cancelo could play on the right wing, which not necessarily tomorrow, but generally. I mean, I'd be surprised by that, but maybe with Sane being out, you know, it lightens the load on the front three. Maybe that would be a bit of an X factor for City, something there's no way that Brighton could have prepared for. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I don't think he'll match up three at the back. I, I mean, maybe it'll come back at some point in this season, but I, I don't know. I reckon he might need Mendy for that. 
Well, I was just about... That was my next question, actually. Um, where's Mendy well, at? Well, maybe with Cancelo, but maybe not so soon. Maybe not right now. Mm. Where's Mendy at right now in terms of his... Uh, he's going to get 20 minutes after the international break. That's the plan. So okay. Norwich, I think. So 20 minutes But then, you know, Norwich. if the game's not going well at Norwich, then don't bring him on. Maybe it'll be the week after that. Is that, mm. is that Watford at home after that? Mm, I'm not sure. Like that, isn't it? Okay. So basically, we won't see Mendy tomorrow. No, I doubt okay. it. I very much doubt it. Okay. So then what about looking at Walker and Cancelo? I mean... We had this conversation where we, I think you said it as well, Sam, that everybody kind of felt like maybe Brighton will be the game to give Cancelo his first start. Um, Howard, I'll ask you first, and then Sam, you can answer it. Do you think the fact that Walker's been taken out of the England squad maybe affects somehow Pep's thinking and Walker yeah. starts again? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I, okay, I don't think it sends a very good message. Uh, Pep's not sentimental, but I don't think he'd drop him after being dropped from the England squad mm. and Pep did say Cancelo will be ready to go after the international break so maybe this makes his mind he may have considered it this week but I'm not sure you know I'm not sure it'd be good for Walker to then you know be rotated for this match to be honest uh, okay. it could you know and if this is if this game's going well it could swap him after an hour and give Cancelo that that half an hour to get you know get some match fitness to get some experience of the game but that's all you know that's if the game is in the bag by the hour uh, but uh, my suspicion is especially what's happened this week is that Norwich might be where Cancelo first starts his first game okay fair enough um, Sam how do you see us lining up then do you see a very uh where do you think potentially Pep could spring a surprise? If you go along with the idea there's been a surprise every week so far in the selections. I mean, I'm just sticking to this Fernandinho at centre-back sometime soon thing. And like I say, maybe maybe he, he does need to play at some point to keep that match rhythm up. Um, Otamendi, I thought Otamendi was good last week, but he did nearly give away three goals. <laughs> so, you know, that's a difficult balancing act. Um, you know, Stones is obviously training again by the looks of that video. Um, whether he's fit enough to go back in or not, I don't know. Maybe, you know, if you've got question marks against all three of them, you just go for Fernandinho and then you've got yeah. something different. So yeah. Walker, Fernandinho, Laporte, Sinchenko, Rodri, De Bruyne, Foden. I mean, I don't think Foden will play, but why not? Um, give Bernardo a go to try and get his sharpness going and then Aguero Sterling. Maybe it's just something like that. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Howard, would you take Bernardo Silva out of the team tomorrow? Uh, no. Well, I know he's not. He's not on fire yet, but uh, you always trust him when he's in the team. It's not that he's played badly or anything. It's just not the outstanding player. You know, the, the man of the match week in week out that we saw last season. I don't think he's quite got mm. going yet. Well, that's an impossible question to ask. Be, you know, to answer it really because again of the options available. Uh, so. No, I'll be quite happy to see him. I'm always happy to see him, and it would take something amazing for me to consider dropping him. Okay, so Mares continues to to cool his heels on the bench for you. Yeah, I think. I think. Okay, fair enough. Um, Sam, give me a score prediction. City at home against Brighton. <laughs> Four nil. Big things, mate. Okay. Howard? 3-0. Follow that. 3-0. Okay. Both very confident. Um, yeah. City, no. Then. Yeah, it is City, <laughs> but I, I just, I think that, I don't know, like, I, I want to, I want to, I want to hope that it'll be uh, a walk in the park, but I don't think it will be. Um, I don't think City have been defensively They've not been where they need to be at. Um, I think that Pep will end up rotating in the back four tomorrow. And I don't think rotating in the back four is a good thing, even if it's, you know, you're taking Otamendi out to bring stones in. I just think that that kind of chopping and changing can lead to uh, odd performances. So having said all of that, I do think City will win, but I do think that Brighton will score as well. So I can see it being... 
maybe 3-2 to City. Um, yeah, that was my long-winded prediction. Um, right, boys, last thing we're going to do for the last five minutes of this podcast is laugh at Man United. I'm sorry, Sam. Um, the other game that we're previewing is Southampton versus Manchester United, which is the early kickoff on Saturday. Um, can, can I just say, Sam, Sam that... Is it? Um, can I, can yeah. I just say I wanted to do Arsenal Spurs, but Asan was intense on laughing at United, so, you know. So, oh, well, what whatever. Yeah, yeah well, he won't the, come on now anymore, Asan. I'm, no, sure, I'm, I'm sure that Sam will be absolutely so, fine. To, I think we're we're all going to try and be at least yeah. a little bit objective about what, where United are. And, right and, and we covered Sam, Arsenal last week as well, Sam. Yeah, exactly. We covered Arsenal last week, and and I, I I really want to ask Sam this question: Where are Man United right now? In Southampton. <laughs> um, no, seriously. Like the, the I, I, so here's where I was at last season. I looked at it and I went, you know what? Solskjaer has clearly got the counter attacking players playing well on the counter attack. What he needs to figure out and what he needs to prove uh, as coach over the summer is that he can bring an extra dimension to the game so that when they play against park buses, they have the creativity or they look like they have a plan to break teams down. Um, Do you think Ole has a plan for low blocks? Um, And what do you make of win, draw, lose in their first three games? Well, yeah, this is it because the Chelsea game, Chelsea were always going to attack. It was always going to be open. It's well documented that, you know, Chelsea had plenty of chances, could have been winning 2 0 by the time they were 3 0 down. Um, that's football. The Wolves' point was good because Wolves are good, although, you know, they've not quite hit their stride. But it was overall, given where United are, it's, it's a decent point. You know, if Wolves, if, if City had played Wolves, I wouldn't have said that. I know they got their, got the point last year. Um, and they deserve more. I wouldn't have said that if it was City now. Um, but given where United are, fine. But yeah, look, I did not expect all of United's problems to have been fixed over the summer. I, I still thought United were going to finish sick. But I didn't expect to lose to Palace at home. And the most shocking thing about it is when the bigger team is pushing for a goal and the smaller team is holding on and they eventually concede... The smaller team never goes down the other end and scores again and wins it. It just doesn't happen. It, and I think that's probably quite damning for United um, that they allowed not even a counter attack. Really, I mean, obviously it was it was well it was a quick break, but it wasn't back to front. It was dallying on the ball. It was Pogba getting caught on the ball in midfield. It wasn't right. We've scored. We'll go and get another. It was just kind of well, we've scored. Let's. You know, let's just have a look around. Oh, I've lost the ball. Oh, they've scored. It, and I think that that's the issue. And then going back to breaking down park buses, yeah, I think you're right. Because why Rashford, and to a lesser extent Martial, looked so dangerous against Chelsea is because they had a lot of space to run into. And obviously away from home, that's also going to be the case. But when, yeah, a lot of United's games at Old Trafford are going to be against teams who play like Palace. And yeah, the issue is if you're a coach that doesn't have an awful lot about you compared to the other coaches in the top six, maybe not Lampard, but the other ones, you know, they can change things up. But if you rely on passion and the United way and training at the cliff to get competitive edges, what do you do when you're 80 minutes into a game and you can't break a team down? What yeah. what can you actually change? And you haven't even got the personnel. <laughs> There's There wasn't actually anyone on the bench you could bring on. Like, you know, people playing... You know, City fans are used to this now with the ages, but people who play football manager and and FIFA think, oh, he can ch- chuck on Mason Greenwood. He looks good. He's 17 years old. Mm. 17. He's going he's gonna to play at Southampton because Martial's injured. And if he doesn't, then it's going to be Lingard, who, as well documented, hasn't got a goal or an assist this year in the Premier League. There's, there's no options there whatsoever. I don't think the quality of thinking from Solskjaer is there. That's why I think they're going to finish in the top six. Oh, sorry, Sort of finish sixth because um, I think they will just scrape that complacency together that Wolves and Leicester and Everton don't have um, but they're not going to get any higher and yeah they haven't got the quality of thinking and they have there's, there's, there's nobody on the bench it's Martial and Rashford 
who have scored what like 11 and 13 goals respectively last season some like figures like that then how many are they going to have to get this year they're going to have mm. to get like 20 each in all competitions I'm, there's there's not really any evidence to suggest that they they will do that I mean there's evidence to suggest they can because if you look at Martial's first season he was good in front of goal and you know Rashford's shown that at times when he broke through but this is three years ago mm. okay um, Howard is Southampton almost the worst possible team for or the worst kind of team for for United to travel to off the back of the Palace results um, for the simple reason that um, Southampton's manager is a highly experienced tactical technical coach who will have a very clear plan for how to sit deep and and how to break on united or do you think that losing at home to palace will sting them into a reaction and we'll see the real man united well, against southampton yeah, more of the former than the latter i think yeah let's just hope United don't play there in their grey kits again. Like another disastrous day for them. I don't think it really matters what... I don't think there is a, a right game for them next because, as you say, where are they? Just where is this team mm. right now? Uh, I, I honestly... I, you know, it's the first time in life that I could probably say this. I, I can't say with any confidence that there'll be a reaction. And losing Martial, you know, it's just like, well, yeah, there's, just, there's very little there. I... Is it? Yeah, you know, I don't believe that managers have to be nasty and you know horrible people and ruthless. And well, sometimes they have to be ruthless. Sometimes, but yeah, I don't get the feeling that Solskjaer is someone who's going to be passionate and get these players fired up. I just think they are kind of drifting already. Uh, it's a strange thing to say with the four 0 at Chelsea. Still, very very recent memory. Uh, yeah, you think Hassan Hootel will be well? I mean, I'm not sure about the Southampton side. I'm not sure if it's any better than it has been, to be honest. But yeah, this is a manager that, that should have the nous uh, to frustrate the United side. Uh, and at home, to, yeah, they very much ran out of steam against Liverpool. But then, yeah, they were, they certainly posed problems to Liverpool in the first half when they played them. I expect very similar against United. Uh, but probably across the whole game. Mm. Um, Sam, is Solskjaer already under immense pressure? And talk me through what you think the lay of the land is, if for whatever reason United... Is it too early in the season to start talking about Solskjaer and how many games he's got? I guess that's what I'm what I'm driving at here is... If they lose tomorrow, is there a, is there a possibility that already the noise begins about how many games he's got left, or do you think the entire United organization is prepared to go the entire season, regardless of results, with Solskjaer? I don't think we can say that. I don't think we can say that they're prepared to go the entire season regardless of results because what if they lose the next five? Um, but I don't... Th- I, look, if if United lose to Southampton, there is going to be that. There is going to be, oh, how long has he got left? I think he's got a bit of credit in the bank with the United fans because, look, at the end of last season, he said there needs to be a clear out. And, look, I mean, Chris Smalling's going to Italy and Sanchez has gone. Lukaku's gone. Um, Darmian's going. Don't know about Rocco, but if, if you look at the others, um, Jones, Matic, um, I don't know if I'm missing anyone out now. But they, you know they've not played either. So that kind of clear out that he was talking about. God, my phone's ringing left, right, and centre this morning. Um, that kind of clear out he's talking about. He, you know, he's held up his end of the bargain, but no players. You know, the players he should have brought into to replace them they haven't been brought in so it's easier for fans then to look at Woodward so I think there might be a bit more blowback on Woodward first than there would on Solskjaer um, obviously Woodward's not going to sack himself the Glazers probably aren't going to be arsed enough to get involved but it's but yeah it's so it's ultimately not but yeah so it's ultimately Woodward's decision and if United do go into this big spiral of losing game after game then 
I wouldn't be surprised if he went, but I do think he's got a bit of time, and I don't expect it to get that bad so soon, but I do expect it to get bad eventually. Okay, fair enough. Um, Howard, score prediction Southampton versus Man United. Uh, one all. Interesting, interesting. Sam, score prediction Southampton, Man United. I don't know. <laughs> God, I don't know. I thought you'd hung uh, up yeah. on me then. <laughs> you were like, I'm not talking to you anymore. I don't know. Uh, I I can see Southampton winning, but it's so easy to think that. You know, when you've had one bad result, you can only ever see the next one being bad. And even under Mourinho last season, it was like that. And then all of a sudden, they'd go to a ground like that and, and grind out a win. I don't know. Uh, I really don't know. I've, Martial's I've out. Idea. Martial's out. Yeah. So you've got, like you say, you've got Rashford and then you've got yeah. Mason Greenwood. I know. Um, like, 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 I'm, I'm tempted to say Southampton are going to win. And like Howard said, you know, they played well against Liverpool. I am really tempted to go with that. But I just, I just know that sometimes in football, everyone kind of goes into games like that expecting it. And that, again, this is the consistency. This is why United will finish sixth, I think, and not any lower, because they'll go and get a result like that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they won either. But you know, I don't. I, I, yeah. I don't want people thinking, oh, he's a United fan. He's just saying they're going to win. It's just this is just the way it tends to work. So I understand. This is why I don't know because everything. I do think they're going to lose, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if they won. And the draw feels like a cop out. So so I just don't know. Just say it. I I feel they're going to lose two one. I don't know. I don't know. I do. I I mean, that's my prediction. I think I I do feel they're going to lose two one. I think I've been. I'm not great with predictions, but weirdly enough, with Man United in the last couple of seasons, I've been able to smell like bad results coming around the corner and tomorrow early kickoff having to travel down to Southampton I don't know man uh, it just stinks of 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 the wheels coming off royally for me particularly off the back of of the defeat last weekend and also Lukaku and Alexis going Alexis going in the last 24 hours I mean I don't know I, I don't know what Solskjaer is doing but I don't think it's going to uh I don't think it's going to work out too well this season. So that's my prediction. 2-1 Southampton. Um, right, gentlemen, that was the Friday show. A bit longer than it should have been, but hey, who cares? We decide how long these podcasts are. Um, Sam, as always, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Howard, thank you very much as Thanks always. as always. And apologies once more for the curse of the podcast of the Friday show because someone's drilling or mowing a lawn somewhere nearby. Yeah. So if you can hear it, my apologies once more. Just, just adds just to the ambience. Cursed, don't worry. Totally cursed. Honestly. No, mate. It just it adds <laughs> to the ambience. I'm, I'm, I'm sure the listeners don't mind. Uh, so Howard, thank you very much. So obviously to everybody who listened, thank you very much. If you haven't already signed up to the ninety three twenty player, go over to our website or head over to our Twitter page. Click on the link and sign up for the player. It's four pounds a month. We did over a hundred podcasts last season. So if you like what we do, it'd be well worth signing up. Uh, in the meantime, have a lovely weekend. As always, be safe, be well. Up the blues.